Welcome to TV7 Israel's podcast. We invite you to listen and share our latest content from Israel and the region. Welcome to another episode of My Brother's Keeper. I'm Michael Karam, and today we have with us Charmaine Heading. Charmaine is president of the Shai Fund, which is a, um, a global, almost a, um, a fund that works with international consulting and development management in the nonprofit sector, but it specifically works with pros- uh, persecuted minorities in the Middle East and Africa advocating for international religious freedom. Charmaine, thank you for joining us today. It's an honor to be here. Yeah. So um, just before we begin, we want to start with um, a little bit of um, some of Yeshua's teaching about this issue of persecution. As we read through the Gospels, one thing we see quite clearly is that it's something that's promised. Right in the beginning, from the Sermon on the Mount all the way to the end of the Olivet Discourse, and in some of his most intimate conversations, even with his disciples, he talks about this issue of persecution. So it's something that's all through the Scriptures, and yet sometimes we don't know actually how to deal with it when it comes. He gives specific instructions, but he also gives another, I would say, another responsibility that we need to take more seriously as Christians, and that is the subject of mutual responsibility for our brothers and sisters across the world that are under persecution. So um, one of the things that I've admired about Charmaine's work in the Shy Fund is that you've been so involved in practical love for these people, and that's been a, a really good thing to see. And that's something that I think that Yeshua encourages us, even you know, through the scriptures, Paul talks about it. And even in the one thing I ran across is in the book of 1 John, it talks about let's not love in word and only, let's love in deed as well. And so let's just pray today before we start this, uh, this, this program as we focus in on the, the persecuted Christians in Syria today. And um, ask the Lord to lead the conversation and as well give us understanding about how we can be involved in supporting our brothers and sisters in Syria and in places of ancient Mesopotamia. Father, we thank you for this opportunity today um, to be with Charmaine, to hear about the situation in Syria. Lord, we know this is a, a country that's been devastated for the last 10 years in war. Lord, that's affected a huge and very often forgotten uh, Christian population that is quite ancient, old, and very important. And so, Lord, today as we focus on this part of the world, would you give us revelation, understanding? Would you help us to see this in the context even of the biblical narrative and part of the lost history of Christianity in the East? So, Lord, we thank you for this time today. We ask your blessing and your leading in the name of Yeshua. Amen. Amen. So, Charmaine, why don't you help us right now? We, we know that this area of Mesopotamia, of Syria, um, specifically this area of northern Syria we're going to focus on specifically today, is a very ancient and important area. So just set a context for our, our viewers today. Mark, a lot of people forget that the early church actually started in Antioch, mm. that the apostle Thomas went out from Israel through Lebanon, Syria, these areas, and then onto Egypt and China, and through to India and China. Mm, and so the early church is actually from this region, yeah. and they predate other faiths, like the other Abrahamic faith, mm-hmm. uh, which is uh, Islam, mm-hmm. by seven centuries. Wow, excellent. Yeah, we usually have in the scriptures, we have the, the gospel, I mean, in Acts, we have the gospel going west. But in actuality, there's a whole movement that goes east. And this population that's in Syria today and in Iraq and in eastern Turkey traces its roots actually back to those early 
apostles and disciples who went to the east. That's right. And so in Antioch, in the book of Acts, mm. that's where we were first called Christians. And where is that? It's right. in Syria. Right. It's actually in Turkey today, but it was actually part of part geographically of Syria. Syria today. Yeah. You know, what's interesting as well is that church, actually, the, the reason the, the disciples in the earlier, you know, uh, they were actually the deacons from the persecution that happened in Jerusalem, they, because of the persecution, they end up in Antioch. That's right. And in a way, you know, this whole area is going east, suffers a lot of persecution throughout history because of Islam's move through that part of the world. That's right. So bring us up down now to the, the more to recent area. We go, Let's go back about 100 years. This area was also quite a much, very much a focus during the First World War. That's right. And what happens there. So just kind of give our viewers a little bit of an understanding about what happens to these Christians then. Well, I think you can't go back uh, unless you really touch upon the Armenian genocide side that right. happened in this area. Mm-hmm. Um, and, it, you know, we know it happened in 1915 and it continued on for a number of years. Mm-hmm. And the um, number of Christians, and it was a variety of different Christians, right. whether it be Greek or Syriac or mm-hmm. some of the Assyrian Christians, mm-hmm. um, about 1.5 million of those wow. were killed. And what a lot of people don't realize is that the first death marches that's right. We're actually across the desert into mm-hmm. Syria mm-hmm. and into the area of northeast Syria, That's which right. is one of the areas that we want to talk mm-hmm. about today. It's good. You know, and, and as well, that that model of that genocide actually in some ways was was what Hitler used for his death marches and for the, the caravans and the trains into the camps. In fact, he made a comment, nobody's going to remember the Ar- the Jews because no one remembers the Armenians. That's right. I, I used to hear stories as well um, from people who, you know, were older and lived through that area at time. And I, you know, read these things is that people would say, you know, eat the food on your plate because of the starving Armenians. I mean, that was that well known at that time. And and in a way, there was a, it was the beginning of, you know, one of the first recorded genocides. But you're right. It did involve other populations as well, the Assyrians, the Syriac Christians, as well as other minorities in that area. In fact, the, the book that I think that really kind of pointed that out is a new book that just came out by Benny Morris. Excellent. Uh, as well, Zevdori, uh, uh, about uh, the 30-year genocide. Mm-hmm. So it started in 1894, went all the way to 1915. That's yeah. right. So then bringing up today, we're, we, then, we then have this period where now we have the modern nation of Syria, we have the Arab Spring, and then that Arab Spring moves over into, you know, Syria, and we have the beginning of the Syrian civil war. So just run our viewers over just the kind of the 10 years and what's happened in Syria during that time. And of course, with the what happened in Syria, we've had millions displaced and Absolutely. killed and mm-hmm. uh, massive human rights violations mm-hmm. that have happened. Mm-hmm. And um, again, the church in this region has been put under tremendous pressure, caught between this radicalization of different uh, Islamic factions. Mm -hmm. And as we know, the significant rise of the Islamic State, Mm -hmm. which has caused and has been called by many in in the last couple of years a genocide, and Mm -hmm. it is because of the number of people that have been uh, not just persecuted but have died because of the beheadings Mm -hmm. and the ethnic cleansing Mm -hmm. that they wanted to enforce in this region Mm -hmm. as part of a caliphate or a religious kingdom Mm -hmm. that had to be ethnically pure. And Mm -hmm. so it was another rise Mm -hmm. um, and genocide against the Christian community that they've now had to survive. Mm -hmm. And in the area that we're speaking about, which is in northeast Syria, mm-hmm. um, we estimate that there's only about 100,000 Christians left. Wow. 
Wow. And it's important for our viewers to remember that this area of Mesopotamia between the rivers of the Euphrates and the Tigris is actually the area where Abraham walked out of. It was the beginnings of our faith and really the sort of the basis for the new covenant. So it has, it's almost, as some people call, this is the other holy land Mm -hmm. because of its historic importance, its connection to the Bible. Tell us a little bit about the, um, the, the situation right now. I mean, know that the, at, um, I'm trying to remember exactly 2018 when the U.S. pulled out after Islamic State was uh, defeated. There was a new administration that was set up in that area. Um, mostly, uh, it's kind of a mix. So, yeah, yeah, let our viewers understand that a little bit. Well, what happened was the in the area of northeast Syria, which constitutes about 30 percent of Syria, so it's a wow. significant landmass that wow. we're talking okay. about. It's also rich in resources as well. Rich in resources, and what's so amazing about this area, and to be admired, almost like a model mm. of coexistence for the Middle East, is that in 2012 mm. they defined their own social contract, okay. which included Christians and mm. Yazidi. Mandaeans, of course, Kurds is a mm. big uh, Kurdish population that lives right. in this area, and also the Arab tribes. Mm-hmm. And there were some remarkable points in mm. this uh, contract that they did from the ground up, a grassroots initiative mm-hmm. with power sharing mm. and with 40% representation of women. Wow. And the different mm-hmm. religious minorities mm-hmm. are equally represented mm-hmm. on a revolving um, leadership in the different committees and all the way down to the grassroots. It's, it's, it's spectacular mm-hmm. what they achieved. Right. And so when we were looking for partners to push back ISIS mm-hmm. and the different administrations looked elsewhere, in the end, we ended up partnering with the coalition forces partnered with the SDF, the, this area with uh, the Syrian Democratic Forces, which is part of northeast Syria's defense. Mm -hmm. And that's how we pushed back ISIS. Then the administration, uh, the Trump administration, uh, sadly pulled out. Right. And it left a vacuum. Okay. And in that vacuum... Turkey then came and occupied most of, about one-third of that territory. Wow, okay. And there were a number of issues that then came and arose with that, major human rights abuses. Mm -hmm. They did away with the social contract and the pluralistic society that Mm -hmm. had been developed by the social contract in 2012. And they started doing very similar things Mm -hmm. that we've seen in other areas because they used radical elements of other militias that had been part of the Islamic State. We're talking about um, the the so-called Syrian National Army, Mm -hmm. which was backed by Turkey. Mm -hmm. And they ethnically started cleansing the region of Kurds, Mm -hmm. moving in pro-Turkey groups, a population displacement. They desecrated the Christian and Yazidi places of worship, monuments, Mm -hmm. and grave sites. Mm -hmm. And then we've had... uh, Attacks on women, mm-hmm. rapes, yeah. and we've had a number of women just disappear. Mm-hmm. And then we've heard that they've been come up elsewhere in other countries being sold in sex markets. Wow. Right. So this is actually an area as well where um, this whole area of northern Syria, and specifically northeastern Syria, where sort of the final battle with ISIS came down to. And there's a lot of actually prisoners of war there. There are lots of women 
that are still even trapped in there and don't have anywhere to go. That's right. And uh, so it's a very difficult, it's almost a, a very difficult area to work in. How have you and your organization been able to help and what have you done practically to support, you know, Christians and other minorities in, in this area? Well, one of the interesting things about this area of Afrin and Kobani in this area is when Turkey attacked this area, mm -hmm. we were really concerned about the Muslim background believers um, that were in this area. And they mm -hmm. had a number of churches that up until that point had worshipped freely. Yeah, actually, we were actually in relationship with one of them in Kobani, and it was a growing uh, movement of Kurdish background, Muslim background believers right. that were... Yeah, that were just free to worship and everything. And this all changed at that time. This yeah. changed. And what happened was, um, so you have your local indigenous church, which mm -hmm. has been there since the time of... Right, almost 2,000 <laughs> Thomas years. Thomas the Apostle. Yeah, church exactly. of the East. Exactly, the Church of the, of the yeah. East, exactly. And then you have a, a new move of God in this area with mm -hmm. a number of uh, these Muslim background believer congregations. Right. And now you have Turkey coming in. They mm -hmm. attack the area. They're using the same jihadis that worked mm -hmm. and were mercenaries and mm -hmm. for the Islamic State and other militant groups uh, mm -hmm. who have the similar ideology. Mm -hmm. And they come in, and we know that the church has to run. And you and I were working together right. at the time. I remember yeah. we were praying in Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. And at that moment, we were praying for them as they were hiding out in this church. That's right. And waiting. And the bombs were falling. Mm -hmm. And they knew that the ground forces were coming. And at one point, they realized they had a couple of hours. Mm -hmm. And they had to run. And they started to make a run. Mm -hmm. And as they left Some of them got caught, right. and I don't know if you remember this. And uh, because of our contacts, Shai Fund, on the ground, we have a lot of communities that we support there, and we've been involved with northeast Syria from a humanitarian point, doing you know water projects, doing bakeries, livelihoods, supporting mm -hmm. the community. More recently, we've been doing um, PPE for Corona mm -hmm. and uh, first line of protection for these communities, but. We had our contacts on the ground, and mm -hmm. so we were able to have way stations for them where wow. we organized places that they could uh, get blankets and food and mm -hmm. different items. But yeah. what we heard afterwards is shocking. Wow. They managed to escape. One family got caught and they couldn't get out. We managed to get a team in to extract them, mm -hmm. and they made it to safety. But what we understood was when they got into the church, they got the photographs mm -hmm. from the community part of the church right. and they went from door to door. Mm -hmm. Looking looking for Kurdish believers. Christians that had changed their faith. From that's right, which is apostasy. Right. And they would have beheaded them. Right. Because that's what's been happening. That happened it, in Afrin and then as they moved east, After the Trump administration and the U.S. pulled out, partially pulled out of the north, that put them at risk specifically. That's right. So they were hunting them down mm, in order wow. to teach a lesson to, a the, lesson to the population. Okay. There's no freedom of religion mm. here. You, you have some, you've shared with me, and, and we both know about unusual testimonies that have happened. There was one just recently, I was thinking you could share like maybe one That was one, that was a really good one, this family. And you talked to, you helped a, a young girl who was trapped at one point together. Yeah, just in the last couple of weeks, right. we had a, a young woman mm -hmm. yeah. um, who, she's actually 17 years old. Wow. And she was comes from a, a Muslim-majority family, mm -hmm. and but she's become a believer. Mm -hmm. But she was given in marriage as a child bride. Okay. 
And wow. she then uh, became a believer and she then uh, was found herself in this marriage with a very domestically violent, much older man. Wow. And she uh, wanted to escape from the area and escape this situation in fear of her life. Uh And if he found out about her faith, it would also be very dangerous. And the problem is we have Turkey and we have Syria cordoning off Mm. these areas. So actually the population is not free to leave and they're trapped in there. Mm -hmm. And it's a, she struggled for many, many nights, eventually walking 17 hours. Yeah, to to freedom. to, To get free. Wow. And so those are the kinds of people that we're able to help through the Shai Fund. Excellent. So what, uh, in terms of just right now, uh, the the situation, it's not on the news as much because the war has stopped. But right now we have kind of different different groups vying for control. And these Christians are kind of, like you said at the beginning, they're caught in the kind of in the crossfire. They're caught within the the different nations wanting to control this very strategic region in many ways. How can we... And how can our, our listeners be praying for these? What are some ways that we can be, first of all, just praying for them? Well, I always say we should pray for the church and we should pray daily for the Amen. persecuted church. And Amen. I'm always reminded of this. Jesus said, if one part suffers, we all suffer. Yeah. And so we shouldn't see this as something disconnected mm-hmm. from ourselves. This is the body of Christ. Right. We are the body. Right. And this church and these people have stood the test of time mm-hmm. for their faith. Yeah. And they are facing beheadings, mm-hmm. persecution, death, and now disease yeah. like we've never right. seen in the West. Mm-hmm. And if we don't help them prayerfully, mm-hmm. but also practically, yeah. who will? Yeah, it's a very good point that, I mean, obviously we know from the whole situation with the pandemic and the economic fallout, the social fallout, all these other things. Economically, the situation is right now is quite dire in these places. As I understand it, even before the pandemic hit, Syria was in a huge economic crisis just because of 10 years of war. More than half the population uh, was... um, you know, was not living in the place where they lived, you know, displaced. they've been they displaced. Yeah. Exactly. There were huge amounts of displaced people. Some had fled to Iraq, some to Turkey. Yeah. Have they started to come back at all? Or what's happened to these populations? No, they uh, they haven't. I mean, you'd look, look at, let's just look at the 13 villages around the Fishkabur rivers, which right, are where the, the convergence where Turkey, exactly, Syria and exactly. Iraq all come together. Okay. And you look at that area and a lot of them are the descendants are the survivors of that death march wow. from the Armenian genocide. Oh my goodness. They are on the run again. Oh, they they can't get out anywhere. There's right. nowhere to go. Right. Turkey blocks them on the one side. Right. They can't get, they're struggling to get into Iraq. Mm-hmm. Some of them have had to drop south into the war mm-hmm. zone. Mm-hmm. They are trapped. They've got mm-hmm. nowhere to go. And if we don't support right. the Christian communities in the Middle East, mm-hmm then we, we have no more Jews left in mm-hmm. these countries. Right. It's not outside of the realms of possibility. There's no Jews left in Iraq mm-hmm. and in Syria. We will see the end of Christianity right. in this region right. on our watch. Mm-hmm. So right now the, the, it's crucial that people not only pray, but they 
practically get involved is what you're saying. Practically get involved and give to organizations mm -hmm. that are actually moving in this area and supporting right. the uh, the churches, supporting these communities. Mm -hmm. um, there's many of them that are involved. Shai Fund has been involved since right. uh, more than five years in this mm -hmm. area. It's one of our biggest projects mm -hmm. that we run into the area. We move thousands of um, medical uh, pro, uh, medicines into the area and a number of other projects right. that we do right. um, in order to support them. Mm -hmm. uh, just don't forget the people in this yeah, region. Man. This is the key. Pray for them, but also support them practically. Right. Excellent, excellent. Well, that that gives, a, a, I think, a really good uh, view of one only situation. There are also, you know, populations on the Iraqi side, yes. Kurdish populations. I just wanted to also just kind of, most people probably don't even know about the who the Kurds are. I mean, they're probably one of the largest minority groups in the world today without their own nation state. I mean, some numbers are about 30 to 35 million. Yes. And um, we have the Kurdish regional government in Northern Iraq that is kind of a state within a state in Iraq. But the Syrian community is a little bit forgotten how big is that? How big is that? What's the population? You said 30% of Syria is in that northeastern area. What, what, what kind of numbers are we talking about? How many people are there? I mean, it's 30% of Syria and it's, so it's Kurdish population. Right. I don't have the exact figures yeah. off the top of my head. Probably but between about three to five million people. I, I think it's, in there. I was going to say four point something right. million people in right. that region. Uh -huh. um, and what's interesting is that the, the Kurds have really wanted uh, their own state and have been promised it since before the Sykes-Picot agreement. That's right. Okay, and, uh, exactly. Agreement. Yeah. And they've never received it. Mm -hmm. And so they've always, they've, they're a big group um, that have always, you know, wanted it and sort of pressed the world for it. And now in this area, northeast Syria, mm -hmm. it's been interesting to see them turn it, turn that nationalism mm -hmm. into something that's more pluralistic and open okay, uh, and and democratic values that I mm -hmm. feel we should support and help them build it yeah. from the ground up. It's very good. I mean, the Assyrian Christian community is also the other main area that's been disappearing, as you said, getting mm -hmm. closer. But they have ancient monasteries that okay. go back thousands of years. You know, it's a very rugged terrain, but it's also very historic and very important. And and a little bit about the Syrian community is that they did send missionaries from there to China, to yes. India, as you said, even in the beginning, but even throughout history. It's got a very, very rich history that most people don't know about. And if we don't stand with them, that whole part of our history, okay, as a, as a faith community and, and everything, will probably be lost. Yes. Yeah, so they've been destroyed. So, yeah, let's just, maybe we can just, we don't have a lot of time left, but let's kind of, maybe we should center in on, you know, how to pray. Pray for these these Kurdish, new Christian communities. Pray for the security in this situation. Pray okay. for the security, yeah. Uh, pray for maybe even the heads of governments in this area that they will recognize, you know, that there'll be a, a recognition of minorities. And my, being a minority, a Christian minority in the Middle East, being any kind of minority in the Middle East is not easy. Right. And so I think it's important that people be praying and also making their own governments where they live aware of this ancient Christian community, of this emerging Kurdish Muslim background, new, new converts in their communities as well. Um, and then as well, the practical aspect, you know, just kind of how can we, how can we actually practically get involved? So, you know, maybe as well, if, if people want to write in here, we can, we can maybe put together a list of different um, organizations that they can you know, contribute to and, and things like that. So. Yeah, and they can reach out to their governments. Okay. There's, there are movements, you know, mm -hmm. across uh, in the number of countries that I've 
uh, preached in and spoken to about this where they are. They're holding their elected officials accountable mm. on what are you doing right. to support the persecuted church mm-hmm. and then drilling that down. What are mm. you doing in Iraq? What are you doing in Syria? What right. are you doing in Egypt right. to hold them accountable to mm-hmm. make sure that their policies mm-hmm. don't end up with seeing the end of uh, Christianity yeah, yeah, in this region. Very, very key. I mean, the Assyrian Christians and the Armenian Christians have basically been dispersed all over the world. I mean, they're from Australia all the way to the west coast of the United States, all over Europe and many different countries. And yet they have this rich history. And in a sense, there a lot of them are looking back to at one day, maybe even to return to these ancient places. And God is doing amazing things. The mm-hmm. amount of people that I've spoken to in these areas that have had no contact with Christians, but have had dreams and visions wow. of the man in white. Yes. And they've known who he is. And yes. then they go in search mm-hmm. of a church, you yeah. know, miles away. Mm-hmm. And so God is moving. He yeah. hasn't left Good. these people. He's remembered them. And so mm-hmm. should we. Amen. Okay. Well, let's just uh, spend the last time just praying. If you want to start in prayer and then I'll finish, we have just a few minutes left, but I think it's important that we just end this time in prayer because it is a very important subject. Lord, we come to you on behalf of your people here in the Middle East, Mm. and we come to you because they they are crying out, Mm. and they are crying out for you, Lord, to intervene in a miraculous way in their lives. Mm. And so, Lord, we pray that we would be the hands and the feet Mm. that would do your bidding and that we would be able to give comfort Mm. to your people, that we would be able to raise awareness, Mm. and that we would be a voice for the voiceless, Lord, Mm. because that is what you always were. Mm. You always went to the least of them. You always Mm. went to the poorest and the one that was suffering, Mm. and you touched them, Lord. Mm. And so we pray for your mighty hand to reach out into this region of the Middle East Mm. and to touch your people with a sure knowledge of who you are and to touch them with practical comfort, Lord, Mm. and may we be the ones Mm. that help to deliver it in Yeshua's name. Yes, and Lord, we thank you for, um, Lord, your desire, as just Charmaine prayed, to use us as your hands and feet. Lord, you said that you looked in both in in many places in in the prophets, you looked for a man, you looked for a person to stand in the gap. Mm. You looked, and Lord, you desire to do everything on earth in partnership with us. Even Yeshua, when he was giving his last instructions to his disciples, said, I haven't called you servants, I've called you friends. Because you've taken on my heart. You understand why I'm here. You understand what I've called you to do. And Lord, we thank you for that very, that very clear commandment that we're to love one another as you've loved us, and that all men will know that we're your disciples if we have loved one another. And so, Lord, I pray for those who are listening and watching today, that, Lord, they will seek to take practical steps to stand with the Christian communities in Syria and throughout the Middle East. In the mighty name of Yeshua. Amen. Amen. Well, I'm Michael Karam. Thank you for joining us again. I'm my brother's keeper, Charmaine. Thank you for joining us as well. And we hope that you'll continue to follow with the updates in this area, as well on TV7, but as well be praying for the persecuted Christians in the Middle East. Thank you for joining us in another TV7 Israel podcast. For more content, visit our website at tv7israelnews.com or follow us on social media.